Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name, blessed be your name, when the sun's shining down. When the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. your glorious name you give and take away you give and take away my heart will choose to say lord blessed be your name you give you give and take away you give and take away Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Good morning again. 
For the benefit of those who are online viewers, that was not my twin brother that you saw leading worship a few minutes ago, but rather me, or is it I, who am doing double duty today. <laughs> uh, I recall, I guess many years ago, probably doesn't happen as much anymore, but maybe back in Dino's time of playing football, there were players who played on both sides of the line in the same game, some on, off on offense at one position, and then when their opponent had the ball, they played defense, so they played the entire game. So I'm sort of doing that today. I guess I'm uh, doing double duty, ministering on both sides of the announcements and, and the prayer time. But uh, I'm grateful to be able to do it. Uh, Daniel, Pastor Daniel, uh, has been ill this week. He is, praise the Lord, this morning feeling better. Uh, his fever is broken. Um, he had a negative COVID test, so apparently it is not COVID, but there must be something else going around. So he's still recovering, and uh, Alex is feeling okay, thank God, and the children so far. So continue to pray for them. Uh, he texted me about 6 a.m. yesterday morning to tell me he was feeling terrible and that he had a fever. And so I, I agreed to I had already scheduled to lead worship to take Joel's place because he wasn't feeling well, and so I agreed to preach also. Um, it's amazing what you will agree to at 6 o'clock in the morning when you've just woken from sleep. But, uh, no, seriously, I, I'm just kidding. I, I'm glad to be able to do this. God has given grace, and uh, thankful for that. It's not something that I'm totally unfamiliar with because as a bivocational pastor years ago, uh, I did this on a regular basis in a small church, leading worship and preaching each week. And, and, and oftentimes, uh, Saturday preparation, or Saturday was the preparation day because I was working outside of the church as well. And um, that is the case as well today. They say in seminary, or Bible colleges, many of them teach that you should have one hour of preparation for every minute you preach. So if you preach a 30-minute sermon in the course of the week, you should have 30 hours of preparation. Didn't happen this week. It was numerically impossible. <laughs> but uh, I spent the day, most of the day yesterday, seeking to prepare. So I trust that the Lord has given me something. I hope that it encourages you and speaks to your heart this morning. So uh, as I began to prepare yesterday, I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? Um, and I didn't hear an audible voice of God or had handwriting in the sky or anything of that nature, but it, it just had a sense of, well, what is it that you're doing? Well, I'm stepping in on, figuratively speaking, a moment's notice to preach. And so the scripture verse came to mind, be ready in season and out of season. So I found that in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and read it, and I thought, well, this is the word of Timothy, the, or Paul, the apostle to his son in the faith, Timothy, who was a fellow laborer and a pastor, and uh, this is speaking to pastors and teachers. And then I looked more closely at it, and I looked at the context and the verses around it, and I could see that that word in and of itself, and those verses around it apply not just to those who are pastoring and preaching and teaching, but to all of us as believers. So uh, that's the way the Lord led, diving into this. 
Uh, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 for verses 1 through 4 and uh, see what the Lord says in the next few minutes to us through that. I am going to read it from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and then also I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. If you're familiar with the Amplified Version, it gives you sort of an expanded, so to speak, uh, understanding of, of the words that are used in a particular passage. So here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 in the English Standard Version. I charge you, Paul says to Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That's the ESV. Now reading from the Amplified. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, that is, and this is the expanded understanding, as an official messengers, messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. That is, keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. He says to correct those who err in doctrine or behavior, warn those who sin, exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold and will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and made man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. Good stuff. Let's pray for a moment together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it speaks to us this morning through this passage, through the Apostle Paul, to his son in the faith, Timothy, and uh, subsequently to us. And we pray, Lord, that in these few moments that we have together, Lord, that you would uh, indeed expand our understanding, uh, speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, where we uh, need to, to follow the instruction of this word, more clearly and more uh, diligently. So we commit these moments to you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at the context of this passage, 2 Timothy. 
2 Timothy is the last epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote. He is in a prison. He is nearing the end of his life. And he is speaking to a younger man whom he has discipled, whom he has labored with in the faith, and who is a son in the faith and no doubt a very dear brother to him. And so Paul is speaking to Timothy in in this situation, telling him the final things, so to speak. These are Paul's last words, the entire book of 2 Timothy, and this chapter is the last chapter in the book, and therefore is the final words that he penned. And so that being true, you have to believe that these words carry a certain weight. All Scripture is important, and Paul speaks of that in the previous chapter. We're going to look at that verse in a little later, but all Scripture is important. But there are passages of Scripture that carry a certain weight, and these are among them, I believe, because of the nature of this letter and the nature of what Paul is saying to a leader of the church in whose hands he is placing leadership or has placed leadership. You might say that this is sort of a, he's dispensing his cumulative wisdom to Timothy about the most important things in these words that he's written to him. He's instructing him. And he says in his instruction, the first thing that he charges him with is to preach the word. To preach the word. So that's what Timothy is charged to do. That's what he is called to do. God has given Timothy a gifting and a calling to do just that. He's made him a pastor. He's made him a leader in the church. He's given him the benefit of sitting under Paul for those years that he discipled him. And now he is being charged first of all, to preach the word. Notice it says to preach the word. To preach the word. That's important, especially given what Paul says later, which we'll look at in a few moments. From Paul's time until now, and until Jesus comes again. There are those who will preach other things besides the Word. They'll preach themselves. They'll take the Word out of context and make it fit into their intent and what they want to say, rather than seeing what the Word is saying and communicating that truth to people. That's what Paul is telling Timothy he has to do. Because there are those, and have been and will be, those whose messages are short on the Word and long on other things. It's part of what Paul addresses in the latter part of our passage. And we'll talk more about that. That's not to say that 
something that will enhance the communication of God's truth. Illustrations or stories are bad in and of themselves, but when they become the message rather than the word of God, that's a problem. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Preach, but don't just preach anything. Preach the word. Help people to understand what God is saying. Wait on him. Hear from him. Study that word and communicate it effectively and accurately. So while Paul's instruction here is specific to Timothy and by virtue of his office, other pastors and preachers and teachers, there's a broader sense in which it applies to all of us as believers. It's not lost on those who are not called to the ministry of preaching and teaching. There's a principle here that applies to any of us. Timothy is told to be ready to preach in season and out. Be ready to preach. Maybe some of us don't have that gift of preaching or teaching, but all of us, the Scripture says, have been given gifts. God, by his Holy Spirit, has dispensed gifts to his body for the building up and the edification of the body. Various gifts. You see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. You see it in Romans chapter 12. You see it in Ephesians chapter 4. All throughout the New Testament. And you could see gifts that were given in the Old Testament as well. God is a giver of gifts for the benefit of the body of Christ to build them up, to glorify himself, to achieve his purposes. All of us have gifts. What is the gifting that God has given to you? What is that gifting? Whatever it is, God calls us, as Paul called Timothy, to be ready to use it, and to be ready to use it in season and out of season. These giftings that Paul speaks about here, I mentioned Romans chapter 12. We'll just look briefly at that because it speaks of some of those gifts and what we're, how we are supposed to use them. Paul says in Romans 12, verses 5 through 8, you don't have to turn to it. We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Whatever the gift that God has given you, use it for the benefit of the body and for the glory of God. And be prepared to use it. Be prepared to use it whenever he calls you to do it, in season and out. Always be prepared. The founder of the Boy Scouts of America, Robert Baden-Powell, in 1907, devised the Boy Scout motto, which echoes what the Apostle Paul is saying here in, to Timothy. And most of you know what that motto is, be prepared. And someone asked Baden-Powell, after he coined that motto, well, be prepared for what? 
And he replied, well, why, for any old thing. So Paul's instruction to Timothy here, it, it applies in the broader sense to all of us, and it's, it's more specific. Be prepared in season and out of season to use the gift or gifts that God has given you to serve him and his church to build up the body of Christ. But it also, I believe, it's not a violation of the Scripture to say in season or out of season, simply be prepared to serve him, to borrow from the Boy Scout founder, for any old thing, whatever he calls you to do. Not necessarily exercising that gift. Yes, use that gift and be prepared to use it. Those gifts, that gift or those gifts that he's given you, but be prepared to do what he is needed when you're asked to do it at a given time. You know, you may have the gift of giving and you find yourself in the, in the hospital visiting someone and they're in desperate need of prayer and you know there are people who are uh, blessed with a gift of intercession and they need prayer now. You don't get on your phone and say, uh, so-and-so, uh, this person needs prayer. Can you come to the hospital right now? Pray for them. That's just one example. When you find yourself in a situation where something is needed and you can do it, then do it to the glory of God in fulfillment of what he wants you to do. Use your gifts, but also be willing to, at any given time, serve him. I had my first experience, I think, as a believer being doing something out of season, so to speak, when I was just a brand new believer. On July 30th, 1978, I still remember the date. I was two weeks after I received the Lord here at, uh, on a kneeling bench here at the altar. I was baptized at an outdoor baptism in the late afternoon on a Sunday. And I knew that I would have to give my testimony but at that time, I was not accustomed or wanting to speak in front of people. That's changed a little bit since then. But I was, I was nervous about it. But I thought, well, it's going to be a gathering in the afternoon, and it was at a, a farm where Emmanuel uh, would baptize people occasionally in the summertime. And I thought, oh, maybe 25 or 50 people will be here. So that's a little, hopefully it will be 25, but I think I could do that. But then prior to the Sunday morning service, I met with Pastor Ed Miller, our senior pastor at the time, about my being baptized, and he gave a little further explanation about baptism. <clears throat> and um, as we were getting ready to leave the office and come into the service, he said, well, you know, uh, there won't be that many people there this afternoon, so why don't you give your testimony in the morning service? Well, at that time, we had 350 or 400 people here in the morning service, so my reply was, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I was a little nervous about it, but I was obedient to do what I believed God was telling me to do through Pastor Ed. And I shared the testimony, and I, I don't remember exactly how it went. I think it went okay. And that's an example of being out of season, doing what God would have you to do. Maybe that testimony blessed someone that morning. Be ready. 
to do what God calls you to do in season and out. So that means we should be ready to, as followers of Jesus, do what God calls us to do when it's easy and also when it's hard. As it's said in the amplified translation of that passage, when it is convenient and when it's inconvenient. When it fits in with our plans and when it doesn't fit in with our plans because God has an overarching plan that we're not always totally aware of. So just be obedient. Submit to that plan. Be prepared. Be prepared to give. That's what the first part of this passage is about, being prepared to give. And it speaks to the preacher and the pastor and all of us about using our gifts for him. But that also speaks in the latter part of this passage that we're going to look at now about being, kind of being prepared to receive. Being prepared to receive. Before we actually get into that, let's look at what Paul says next to Timothy. Uh, He says, he instructs him, instructs him, excuse me, about what the content of his preaching and his ministry should be in the latter part of this passage. And what he's doing essentially is echoing what he's already said to Timothy in the previous uh, chapter, the previous part of his letter in First Timothy, or Second Timothy, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 16, a very well-known scripture verse that we've heard many times and quoted. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there are three things there and also three things in, this, in our passage in chapter 4 that should, should be a part of what Timothy is preaching and teaching and part of his ministry, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. That's what it says in chapter 4. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. I want to read a couple of definitions, bear with me for a minute, um, regarding these words. Uh, reprove means to bring to the light, to reveal hidden things, with the implication that there is adequate proof of rowing doing. The idea is to point out something to someone in such a way that they are compelled to see and to admit the error of their ways, that is, to confess their sin, to show someone that they've done something wrong. Another part of that definition is the, word is the word is a legal term that means to present your case in such a manner as to convince your opponent of his wrong. A preacher must not simply give an emotional harangue. He must present his case in a logically convincing manner from the word so that his hearers are persuaded that what it is what is saying is right even when their behavior is wrong. So this first word, reproving, has to do with proclamation of what truth is in the light of sin, and the expectation is that there will be a response to that, to do it in such a way that it would elicit a response. The second word, rebuke, is very similar, but this word implies a sharp, severe rebuke, say, 
maybe a condemnation, with possibly a suggestion in some cases of impending penalty. But this is more of a stating of the truth with or without resulting repentance. And the last thing Paul says should be a part of Timothy's teaching and ministry is exhorting. Stephen Alford was a great 20th century preacher, uh, uh, one who Billy Graham had a very high regard for, a great expositor. And he defined this word that's translated as exhort this way. He says this is a constructive word. The first two words in this passage have to do with some very difficult and hard things. This is a constructive word. Having brought his hearers, he says, to the place of correction, the servant of God is to build them up. The word exhort conveys the thought of encouragement, edification, and instruction, while a constructive ministry will be exercised with all gentleness and patience, there must ever be present the solid content of biblical truth. So these are the responsibilities of the preacher, according to Paul. And the preaching of the word brings us to conviction regarding our need for repenting or receiving the Savior, or if we're already trusting in Jesus, our need to turn from sin, sin in our lives, But preaching is also to bring comfort and encouragement, strength and the like, to take us to a place of greater maturity. Solid biblical preaching is going to have these elements. Sometimes there may be a message that's almost all exhortation. Sometimes there may be a message that's all reproof. And then often there may be a combination of all of these things. But this is the the whole counsel of God, so to speak, with regard to preaching, according to Paul. This is where it, where it gets to the point of being prepared to receive because the next thing Paul says is a reference to what's going to happen the day that is coming. The final part of this passage serves as a warning from Paul to Timothy about what lay ahead. And it's a warning to all who preach and all who need to heed. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul's warning here is for the church. He witnessed some of this in his time. He even spoke of it in some of his epistles about those who were teaching error those whose gods were their own stomachs and that sort of language in bringing uh, rebuke to them. He witnessed some of it, but I think it has increased. And I think we may very well be in a time now where there's more of it than ever in church history. Paul is speaking here of teaching that brings health spiritually. The root word here is used in the New Testament to refer to physical health. Sometimes the very thing we need the most is the thing that we want the least. The thing we need the most is the thing we want the least. It's not difficult to give in to temptation to eat foods that will eventually hurt us if we eat them in excess. And a steady diet of spiritual junk food that is empty and brings no benefit to us, it's eventually going to hurt us. That's the kind of thing 
that Paul is speaking of here. Myths, creations of their own mind, errant doctrine, mostly things that will tickle our ears. That's the kind of thing that we need to be wary of as believers. We need to receive truth and reject that error. Generally speaking, I guess most of us have the desire to hear the pleasant things, not so much the difficult things. In John chapter 6, we find the account of the feeding of the 5,000. After which Jesus sails from where he was to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and these people follow him there. And he says to them this, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then Jesus began to speak about them, to them about being the bread of life and, and about following him and the sacrifice that it involved, difficult things. And then it says in verse 61, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have to be careful to believe and live out sound doctrine, healthy teaching, not rejecting the difficult things that we know are part of God's body of truth and his word, to receive them, to allow them to do the work in us that he wants it to do, to bring us to a healthier place spiritually, to bring us to a place of greater maturity. His words, as Jesus said, are spirit and life. Teaching that speaks of a believer's life that is filled with nothing but comfort and ease and blessing and prosperity and the like is not sound doctrine. That's not to say that none of these things can ever be true, but they aren't what following Jesus is all about. Amen? Sound doctrine speaks about sacrifice, about endurance, about humility, about hardship, all for the sake of the kingdom of God and the glory of God. We need discerning ears. We need to be like the Bereans who are spoken of in the book of Acts. The Bereans in Macedonia who, when Paul and Silas came and preached, them, preached to them, it said they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. 
We need discerning ears. We need a discerning heart and a discerning mind. We need to be in his word daily to see what it says, to test the things that we hear, whether it's from this pulpit or whether it's from someone you're listening to in a podcast or watching on television. We need to be prepared, Paul says, to Timothy and to us. Be prepared to exercise the gifts that God has given us. Be prepared to step up and do what he calls us to do when he calls us to do it. And be prepared in our hearts to receive God's truth for our own spiritual benefit and for the benefit of building up the body of Christ. Let's close in prayer together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word once again. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to walk this walk and uh, read and study your word, that you would continue to give us a hunger to know you better, to know your truth, that you would continue to give us a discernment, Lord, to reject error and give us, by your spirit, a willingness, even an eagerness to embrace truth to be prepared in our hearts, Father, to use the gifts that you've given us, to step in and do what you call us to do, even out of season, and to receive your truth and to share that truth with others outside of the body by means of evangelism and within the body so that they might, others might be built up by your word as you revealed it to us. I pray your blessing over my brothers and sisters here this morning, Lord God, and ask God that as a church, Father, we would become more and more people of the word, people who love your word, people who worship you, people who want to share your love. We ask your blessing on each and every one this morning, Father. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Hope to see you next Sunday.